Welcome to San Diego Magazine's Happy Half Hour. I am Erin Chambers-Smith with San Diego Magazine. Um, we are throwing formats to the wind <laughs> for this episode. Because it's the end of the year. We're going to do a big wrap-up. We have to look back at the year, up. you know, poke it and prod it and dissect it, you know, like the frog in middle school. We also couldn't get a guest, so this, <laughs> this is what we not did. not true. <laughs> well, we just, yeah, it, we, we, it's, a good, it's a good easy way to kill a half an hour just talk to each other and it's going to be an amazing half hour that we're going to kill we're going to kill it beautifully no it is fun and we are going to recap all kinds of stuff news of the year restaurant news of the year openings Mm -hmm. of the year closings of the year and we are going to look back on some of the most popular podcasts and i part of the reason we decide to do this every once in a while is because you guys listen when we do this they're popular the few times Mm -hmm. yes well and you think about think about the closings we were emailing back and forth about the closings i had forgotten about some of these and i was like oh god Mm -hmm. It, it was a sad year yeah it was and a good year too, but sad. There was a lot of biggies. Absolutely. In our trends, we're going to go through some of the trends that the chefs have been mm-hmm. working on over the last year. I mean, some big major <laughs> movements in the right direction. And then mm-hmm. a couple that are just sucking out the marrow of the industry. So yes. we'll get to all that. Uh, and David's eating a taco because we don't have a guest. He doesn't have to um, corral and wrangle them. So he's l- going to eat a taco and maybe he'll pipe in. A lot of times we get some really gourmet food in here, like from Lola 55 or other different restaurants. Today, what do we have, Archie? We have <laughs> Del Taco, but there's a reason that we have Del Taco. <laughs> They are doing, Beyond Meat is a meat substitute, and Mm -hmm. they're incorporating it into their menu. You can get it in their tacos, you can get it in their burritos, nachos, whatever. And they kindly sent us some over to try, and we'll be talking about all about the plant-based movement that's happening here. It's a total thing. But don't you think if you have to call it meat substitute, it's odd, you need a better term. I know. If you don't want to eat meat, just eat vegetables. You mean like Beyond Meat? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's weird. Well, I mean, you think about plant-based. I mean, the, the good thing is that one of the major um, fast food chains in the world that go through, sell so many tacos to stoners, you know, is that, you know, they now, once they adopt plant-based cooking, that will start spreading into the United States as a whole. More and more people will be like, hey, you know what? That's not a bad plant-based thing in the middle of America. I love that it's at a fast food place. I do too. I, I think that is awesome. I mm-hmm. want to love it, but I think if it's really going to be like plant-based, mm-hmm. let's just start marketing mashed potato tacos or things that's an actual thing. Actual thing. But Instead maybe of, not make a meat substitute and then try to make people fall in love with that. That I just never, feels like a stretch I didn't like me. my substitute teachers when no. growing, I was growing up. You know, a substitute just sounds like you, you found some chemical that mimics, mimics it. You're right. It should just be called like broccoli tacos or whatever. Right. Yeah. Or like cauliflower tacos. I had, mm-hmm. I had a walnut taco once. I mean, it's fine. Put plant in your tacos, but just say what the thing is. But the protein comes from peas. It's like 20 grams of protein, but I think if you tell people it's a pea taco, it just doesn't have the same <laughs> ring to it. Pea anything, really. You know. <laughs> okay, we're not going to just um, talk we have like more this whole time. Say. We are going to have somewhat of a structure. Yes. I will I will run it down for you. <laughs> we're going to do. We're going to start with the top five news items. So Archana okay. went and ba- looked back through all of our hot topics. So she pulled the top five. I went through the analytics and pulled. I think I did this right. I don't know if I did it right. <laughs> the the most popular podcast, like by download. I used That's a thing called Pod Tracker. I, I say exactly what you just said every time I put together an IKEA furniture. Yeah, I think I did the furniture. <laughs> I don't know. And then Troy um, rounded up or chose the top restaurant trends from his perspective. So you'll hear those towards the end of the show, and then we're going to go through the saddest closings, and we've come up with a little gimmicky way to reveal our most favorite restaurant openings of the year. We've all chosen ours, and then we've passed them around on locked post-its. them sealed them passed it you to tell you, everyone one, this this was your idea well pass it to one another why am i reading hers you pass it one another <laughs> you're reading hers and i'm reading yours and why because i don't want I, we don't want any kind of collusion like you're like oh, oh that hat you have that on your list then i'll put something else oh, oh, oh. i wanted us just to do it blind so that hey if we happen to have three of the same then mm. you guys listeners at home can be like all right maybe that place is worth checking out because okay. all three of those guys said it Oh my god, I already looked at one of Archina's and I missed one. Oh! oh. This Shoot. is like the 100th episode extravaganza all over again. When we, oh. when we Archina's had little... is good. I know! Mine, I just picked the ones I remember. But <laughs> Archina's, don't trust mine when you hear mine, you guys. Okay, Archina, start us off. What were the top five news items of 2018 in the food world? I feel like you can't talk about 2018 without talking about the rise of Westfield UTC. I think oh every hot plate segment, there was at least one mention <laughs> of something new there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, usually it's North Park we talk about or Little Italy we talk about for having their best restaurants, but it was always Westfield UTC. Mm -hmm. And this mall underwent a $600 million revamp. And so it's not just, you know, boring department stores and nondescript chains. There's Raised by Wolves from CH Projects, Sweetfin Poke, La Colombe Coffee, Shake Shack, 
Taifeng Fong. Din Taifeng. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like it's, an amazing Nordstrom's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a fun. I <laughs> Have you been had to not, that Nordstrom? I had not amazing. been to Westfield UTC maybe once or twice before, but it's like you can kind of have a whole day there. You can go work out, you can have food, you can go shop, and it's not cheesy. Yeah, it's I really mean, good. the malls of America just became like the retail version of Detroit. You know, like it was just everything was run down. The business model did not work. And every one of them tried to reinvent themselves. And I would say that Westfield UTC did the best job of any mall that I've seen mm-hmm. in, in a lot of cities that I went through in, in 2018. Minneapolis, New York, all that. They These guys spent so much money to make it. I mean, it's basically another little Italy. It's another North mm-hmm. Park. It's yeah. a place that you go. Granted, it doesn't have that like street vibe. It doesn't have that. I was going to say, it's a little ritzy. It, and it it's is. a little polished. Like you got to have money to go buy the cologne coffee or whatever yeah. it's mm-hmm. not yeah but i mean for people up there that don't don't want to drive all the way down to little italy they don't want to drive over to north park or maybe mm-hmm. they do but they don't have time because they've got kids they got a job they got whatever responsibilities right. you're like you know what i can go to one single place walk around and at 15 um, places including a michelin star soup dumpling spot and shake shack that's pretty damn good yeah Plus, one Paseo is coming next year. So I feel like I will, we'll be talking about that a lot in 2019. So that's coming to Carmel Valley, Del Mar area. It's sort of like Westfield UTC, but smaller, a little more curated. There's some retail brands I'm really excited about there, like Outdoor Voices. There's going to be more food there, too. I mean, you can't have a mall without food now. Yeah, and I really miss the days when you could just pick on malls mercilessly. <laughs> like they were just the most boring, soul-sucking experiences in American society, and now they're not. They're they're, they're picking their game up. Mm-hmm. It's no longer pretzel time and I orange know. Julius. Orange Julius. <laughs> okay, the next one, of course, this is huge: the legalization of marijuana, big time. Mm-hmm. It changed everything. Troy did a huge story for us in February 2018. I'll link to that in the the blog post for this episode, and so. It wasn't just, you know, joints and edibles and all that stuff. You can find cannabis in trail mixes, tacos, wine, coffee. They're in dog treats. I just got a shipment for my dog. They have Mm -hmm. CBD in them. And the LA Times, when we were talking about it then, had reported that edibles for the recreational marijuana market will top $100 million in sales in 2018. So I'm curious to see what that number is. I know. I'd like to see. I mean, obviously, we're not going to get those numbers until a few months (laughs) into the year of 2019, Mm -hmm. if not even further. But I, I guarantee it came close, if not surpassed it, because I know so many chefs in San Diego who have a side business now of, you know, CBD, of, of edibles, of everything else, you know, they're, they're moving into the space because, you know, it really is medicine. I mean, that's what I learned doing that story. I mean, it has so many medicinal uh, benefits. Granted, not good for kids. If a kid who's 16 to 25, every um, medical research that I found, it's like, do not let them smoke marijuana because it alters the chemical, the chemistry of their brain in a very de- developmentally sensitive time in their life. Mm-hmm. If they're going to do anything, alcohol probably better at that point in time. But anything after 24 once are developed, the marijuana is so much cleaner for your body. It's so much better for your body it's so much more healing and you've seen like you know um you know uh strokes go down you've seen you know epilepsy go down you've seen you know and there's so many you know benefits of it you know and now you can tuck it into food that doesn't suck mm-hmm. you know you have real chefs pastry chefs not only pastry chefs, but real like savory chefs too you know experimenting with this stuff hey awesome and there I, were tons of pop-up dinners happening i think mm-hmm. that the the tie to the food industry when you when you make that comparison with wine and alcohol mm-hmm. ha- having such a you know long-standing relationship with food and it's just a part of the experience i think that's a really interesting analogy the idea mm-hmm. that now cbd and marijuana and all that stuff is gonna it, that that comparison is very like okay yeah that could be a thing and it doesn't taste like pot with sugar around it anymore like the first edibles that came out in america they tasted like you know weed with a bunch of sugar or a brownie around it you could taste that mm-hmm. hemp that oil now and actually they've learned how to incorporate it all and really you know and and they're doing lesser strains too so you don't eat it and freak out and have to go to the hospital you know God. i mean it's like it's basically it's like hey the tiny bit it's like this is like a half glass of wine the equivalent you know they're learning how to like incorporate it into you know much more detailed nuances okay what about the third uh top news trend of the year in food is the debut of something in san diego the debut of the impossible burger it was a big deal when it came to san diego it had been in cities like new york before it came to us and two of the first places it showed up here were jane's gastropub in normal heights Mm -hmm. and trattorio ponte vecchio in del mar so mm-hmm. we'll talk about it more. Troy has a whole thing about the rise of the plant-based, yeah. but 
it was a big deal when it came here. Now you can find it all over the city. It was kind of a newsy thing. It was like, oh, it's here. You can eat it here. It was a big deal. It's a two hundred million dollar burger initiative. Let's email Jane and see if she sells a lot of them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I really want because I was there not that long ago, a couple weeks ago at Jane's Gastrobe, and it's still on the menu. So she would have taken it off, I guess, if it wasn't selling. And it's a really fascinating, um, fascinating project. I mean, they found for those of you that aren't quite familiar, they found you know hemoglobin is what makes um, animal meat bleed, and that's what we like in burgers. like that you know medium rare that like blood aspect to it blood and butter to be quite honest with you you know and they found that heme in plants and so they could make a burger that actually kind of bleeds from legumes you know so it has more of that element of you know that that like you look at it's like medium rare you feel like you're a little bit more of a carnivore there's carnivore instinct in us all whether or not we're good people we've gone vegetarian or vegan does not matter what it matters is that we've been eating meat for billions of years millions of years so we have that instinct and we need to kind of feed that instinct with an imitation like this you know and it's 250 million dollar burger you know and and everybody's using it now almost every single one Mm -hmm. i just got um about 30 chefs to answer my end of year what has changed in your industry and i'm about ready to roll out these stories on san diego mag our blog um but every one of them a lot of them mentioned beyond me impossible me they're like we're playing with it we're tinkering with it it's a good replacement for just doing beef do we all want to make a guess as to when it's like at Burger King or McDonald's? Well, Del Taco's a really good entry. That's true. Mm-hmm. It's in Del Taco. David's just joining us. So What's up? Actually, the first burger joint to do it was White Castle. Oh. Um, they have so an Impossible they do Burger? The Impossible Burger in the little mini sliders. And I had it in Las Vegas, and it was actually really, really good. Did you have so this you're at White talk? Castle and you choose the Impossible Burger. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100. percent David's very I just curious. wanted to try it. Oh, so curious okay. diner. Okay. Yeah, and that was one of the things I got back from my chefs too. It's a, it's like even diehard carnivores now are choosing plant based dishes. Not all the time. Even but at White Castle. Even at like meat I get that places. you would choose it, but it, to me it just seems like if you're gonna go to White Castle, you're there to get a burger. If you want to get plant based mm-hmm. stuff, go to a plant place. Like we had that we had Cowboy Star in, on last year, yes. and they said the same thing. They get a lot of people coming in and asking what their chefs can do with plants. And they love it. And they love it. Mm-hmm. You know. Very, very interesting. Okay, and then number four is the craft beer downturn. This is a this is a good catch by you. Yeah, this is a big one, and I'm just going to have to let David chime in because he's our beer guy, but I really feel like also most hot plates had a craft beer brewery closing. Yeah. Uh, what's your perspective? David is, if you don't, don't know, he is the most um, avid, I would say, dare say OCD about craft beer in San Diego on yes. our staff, um, on anybody's staff in all of San Diego and possibly the world. <laughs> well, so it, it was a tough year for craft beer, but there's a lot of like light at the end of the tunnel. And what really seems like the biggest problem wasn't necessarily the quality of beer. And it wasn't necessarily that we've totally hit this bubble, but more so that it was just a lot of like poor management of what you're doing, trying to expand too quick. So for instance, Green Flash, you know, they got really big and they they, they were losing money. So they were sold to an out of town person. Same thing with Council, they went and they expanded. They opened a second location and were not able to see the upturn in percentage of business sale that they were expecting. So. Um, it's really, it seems like that was the main problem. I think that there's still plenty of people to drink the amount of craft beer that people can be profitable, but it's a matter of managing your business right. But we also saw the downturn of consumption of craft beer across the United Mm -hmm. States. Yeah, you could say that. That's like with craft cocktails and things like that coming up. But uh, I would say that I, I wouldn't be too, too concerned about that. I think as long as the product's good, and especially being such a beer city, we're, we're going to still thrive in it. And Next year, there's a few cool openings. Uh, hopefully, we don't see as many closings. I know that a lot of like beer bloggers have been doing their 2019 predictions of what craft breweries in San Diego are, are going to close and whatnot. And I think that's just bad bad way to go about it. It's like, stay positive. This mm-hmm. is something we're known about. Let's try to enter 2019 on a, a, yeah. a good note. Don't be the, the vulture circling over the, pre, the pre-carcass of craft beer. But I, just one other thing to say about one closing. This might be a hot topic. But so I'd mentioned a couple podcasts ago about how Council Brewing was closing mm-hmm. and they were donating all the proceeds of their barreled um, or their cellared can, uh, cans and bottles to um, Sorai Sudmas, which is this big food benefit. They raised in one week... $15,000 for the benefit nice by work. just selling off their cans. So That's it's like, awesome. you know, while you do have a sad thing, like an awesome closing like that, 
it's rad to see them still doing something better for the community. And here's what I will say about the downturn in that too. I've seen so many industries like this, you know, pop up and go, and go, and go down a little bit. I mean, because craft beer is relatively new, I mean, you think about it in the spectrum of beverages themselves, and we're talking 20, 30 years when it's really exploded, right? You know, people are more and more interested. It reaches the masses. And then everybody's like, okay, okay, well, I can drink also something else. So you're going to come back down to like a stable middle ground, mm-hmm. you know, where everybody's now tried it. They're all, you know, they've changed beer, craft beer, they taste craft beer, they taste it, and now they're like, okay, it's now part of my my normal roster of beverages, and you're going to lose some of that expansion. It's just going to come back. You don't have to try everything. Exactly. I think for a while it was like, oh, it's open, I got to go there. Oh, I got to go there. Oh, I got to try it. And now it's sort of, yeah, mellowing. Definitely. But on a more positive front on that as well, is like, I really think that we could see 2019 be the year that big beer stops buying all these little craft breweries. Because it's proven that like, when they do that, they end up needing to let these people go and the sales aren't quite what they're expecting. Mm-hmm. I think it's because the fans of these craft breweries are kind of like, they feel like, oh, you, I mean, it's I hate using the term sold out on me. And then, you know, but that's what happened. They People turned their back on a brewery once they got to a certain level of success. Well, once they get but, bought out by Constellation or something like that. Exactly. Right? A, B, and Bev. But I mean, the and a lot of those breweries now are, are taking their money and they're putting it into cannabis. Yep. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of everybody's taking their yeah, money and putting right. it. Paperclip people are getting into do- cannabis. I've been, <laughs> been doing it for <laughs> I've been doing it for years, but it was just small investments <laughs> in my own personal time. <laughs> that was just you. <laughs> okay, right. Archie, what's your last one? Fifth one um, in the top five of our news items for 2018. I thought it'd be funny to look back on what we thought 2018 was gonna look like for food and drink oh. and see like did we did it actually pan out that way? So we in early January last of 2018, we talked about this food and wine article they talked to a bunch of chefs like food people like Danny Meyer Dominique Crenn like what's 2018 gonna look like so those people said that there's gonna be less Instagramming which nope. I think is so false <laughs> <laughs> no dining out over delivery um I don't know I, I, I think delivery I, is everything delivery. I think the opposite of those first yeah. two things yeah. happen I mean you have chefs that are offer their opening restaurants that are not actually restaurants they're just delivery yeah. um, restaurants right. we now. talked about that yeah. recently like that's crazy um simplicity which I, I could yeah. see I think there's a little more of like going back to that farm to table purist approach very I think that is a really um, crucial trend for food I mean because you don't see like those over the top elaborate dining experiences quite as much except for consortium holdings who, who always bucks the trends um, right. but I mean you have like very simple menus they they trim down their menus they have five six seven options you know it's very simple straightforward stuff and for a good weird price. fusion this and no. i mix that with that and mm-hmm. da, da, da. Yeah, yep. yeah more pop-ups i don't know i think we got less pop-ups this year yeah. honestly i, re- I mean it, it the pop-up trim was 2017 and in 2018 mm-hmm. i saw less it, fewer and fewer i saw more weed pop-ups yes. than anything else but, but do you think that's a san diego thing um, well, I think the pop-ups are always going to exist. It's a really fun business model to try out your, you know, if you're thinking about opening a restaurant or you don't want to like invest in brick and mortar, mm-hmm. you know, you can like, I mean, you think about Marco Maestoso, who opened Maestoso's over in Hillcrest. They started their um, like, you know, f- cooking enterprise. He and his girlfriend, who now owns the restaurant with him, they started it as a New York um, City walk-up apartment pop-up, you know, mm-hmm. and it got really good reviews. It so got like cool. briefly mentioned in the New York Times, you know, and then they decided to open a restaurant, you know, so it's a good idea, but I don't think it became such a trend that every chef was doing it in 2017 and I think that fell off okay um vegetarian tasting menus yeah I think vegetarian everything is happening but mm-hmm. it nailed that one I mean it, 2018 was the year of the plant yeah uh, chefs as activists. I don't know. Have you seen? I've seen it. Uh, n- you know, in other cities. Have you seen it as much in San Ab- Diego? I absolutely have in San really? Diego. A lot more chefs that I talked to, especially this year. Again, when I just queried like thirty chefs. Actually, I think it might be fifty now. Um, chefs across San Diego about what they did this year. What was the biggest trend that you did in terms of sustainability? Every single one of them turned back to me and said, "This is exactly what I did in terms of sustainability. We did a, a wasteless program in our restaurant. They're all like doing food activism, not not wasting." you know, using biodegradable stuff, you know, um, hosting soil dinners, that sort of thing. I mean, they're all being activists for their industry, Mm -hmm. the food industry, but almost every single one of them is taking up the cause of slow food, responsible food, sustainable food, organic food, um, you know, eating a little less meat, you know, just being a more responsible consumer. But don't you also, I feel like the chefs, so many of the ones we talked to on this show this last year, Mm -hmm. they're just surviving. 
I feel like they're not they don't have a lot of resources to actually advocate like I've mm-hmm. seen in years past through kind of existing channels the restaurant association or you know lobbying or whatever that I don't see a lot of that but I, I really feel like so many of these chefs they're just hanging on that is true I mean there's a lot of changes going on in terms of the cost of food is mm-hmm. crushing you know the cost of rent in San Diego I taught the Joe Busalaki for a story that we're working on for a future issue and he said you know when I went down to Little Italy it was 99 cents a square foot and now it's like five dollars six dollars a square foot I mean that's a sixfold in a span of less like 15 years yeah. you know I mean so they've got and obviously minimum wage is a big thing too going up for, for everybody that's you know crunching them so they are just holding and no on. straws and no styrofoam I mean those are all good mm-hmm. like you were saying about sustainability good efforts but then the burden is back the, on sort of the restaurant owner and then a compostable lot of, straws cost more than a cheap old right. plastic straws I mean if we think about the cost in, fa- in fact of like saving the planet and things like that then the cost doesn't cost much more but for the actual out of your pocket I'm a small restaurant tour this is how much money I have to spend. Yeah, it's tough to do business right. And I think when we're when we're back in January, we're going to have Matt Gordon on the show, who's sort of revamping his urban solace concept, and he'll tell us more about that. And I think there's a whole thing about you know this year we saw a lot of people feeling the strain, having to cut back, having mm-hmm. to cut staff, and I'm sure he can talk to all that. And mm-hmm. Troy, you're going to about talk about minimum wage in a little bit. So yeah, um, the last one, chilled red wines. I don't know that I saw that here. Well, I think we saw um, well, we saw the, the resurfacing of, of rosé. We saw the, the uh, yeah, yeah that's true. we saw the resurfacing, which is you know um, wine left on the red skins for a little bit longer. Um, you know, we saw um, I saw a little bit of uptick in like um, sangrias and wine-based cocktails. Hmm. You know, a lot of wine-based cocktails this year, but like chilled red wines. Oh, Frosé. Frosé. Or like, don't you love a a nice light Lambrusco? I feel like Lambrusco Mm. is making a comeback for a while. That lower alcohol, it's almost like a... Mm -hmm. The Martinelli's of wine. Yeah, Yeah. kind (laughs) of. Okay, that is the top five news items of 2018. Tell us what you think. I wish so often that people could call us or like I know. could like respond as we're doing this because I really think I can hear people listening with all of their opinions. Well, I really want to do a live episode. You were going to. Mm-hmm. Right? We're going to. We are. Uh, we're going to do we one. We just had a great meeting today with a lovely, great community partner in San Diego, which I don't think I'm allowed to say their name yet, but <laughs> okay. they were really interested in having us do a live podcast. They're like, yeah, bring your listeners. I love, I, cool. I, go to, I love community partners. They have a great retail <laughs> space. <laughs> I love <laughs> Um, we're gonna, we're gonna link to all this stuff for you guys at SanDiegoMagazine.com like we always do. And now we're gonna move on to our top happy half hour guests of 2018. This is per my own research on PodTracker, so <laughs> take it for what it is. Um, but and I don't think that you know. No, actually, I, this is. I, you know, order. I think this is total yeah. um, fabricated BS. I swear. You know why? Look at it might because look because at number I, one. But it's true. <laughs> it, I should pull it up right now. Um, episode one. 97 was our fifth most popular listened to slash downloaded podcast. And that was with the lovely Jennifer Davies, who represented Balboa Park. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast this year. I think I started year, a movement, basically, is what I'm Aaron, Erin like, had this bug in her. It was like a virus, and she needed to get it out, you know? And she was like basically using our podcast as NyQuil and Benadryl. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, and she was, you know, her issue, that virus was the lack of dining options at Balboa Park, right? You know, I mean, you just need more of an activation. State. Sad state of like historical staleness, you know, and that you need like <sighs> new food and new yes. places and new bars. And again, I still stand by my idea on that one of rooftop. like activating every rooftop, every rooftop. What? What happened? What are you? What is it's not in the top five. Oh, God. What is it? <laughs> it's, like, it's like maybe like. Yeah, but so. your SoundCloud, you told me to use PodTracker. Well, that's just the other one. You Okay. See, he's in a different thing. He's That's right. We're, we're already, we already recorded that, Moon. Maybe we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so wait, is this is is episode? No, so the next one I have is episode one twelve. The Lola fifty five guy. The next one she has is an uh, acapella <laughs> performance by there. her child. It's, in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one where. Um, no. So. It, but it really was on Pod Tracker, whatever that okay. is. Yes. The next is episode 112, which David is validating because SoundCloud is also telling us that a lot of you download. Okay, well, wait a minute. I want to go back to my idea then. I didn't oh, finish yeah, that. Oh, yeah, sorry. The rooftop thing. Okay, the rooftop thing. But yeah. I mean, at Balboa Park, I really don't understand why every single yeah. rooftop, obviously, they have to do some structural re- re-engineering and make sure that they're, they're structure- structurally sound for all that. But they could easily do that, you know, and build uh, every rooftop in that beautiful park 
should have a wine bar, should sure. have yes. a whatever it is, everything. How are the international cottages not like serving food all the time I and know. making money to like pay their bills yeah. and like paint their walls? Little guest rottages, you know? How is there not <laughs> craft beer served inside the Spanish village? We mm-hmm. could go on and on. I know. All right, sorry. The next one um, is episode 112, and that was the Lola 55 owner. Yep, mm-hmm. Frank Vizcarra. Was our guest. He and had he a was fascinating background. Pizza Hut, McDonald's. He was part of the um, I'm Loving It campaign at McDonald's. He was one of the ones that engineered that campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, this was a guy that was born in TJ, um, had roots in San Diego, played for the San Diego Soccers, a Julie V and Bronco Segoda. Anybody who's over 45 with me and listening to this podcast right now, probably... Um, <laughs> Is, is probably going shut up, um, but the uh, that was the old school San Diego Soccer's. He was on the team, and then he, you know, as he left, he switched over to fast food. And really, he was such a good business strategy guy that he helped McDonald's launch internationally. And before you say, oh, oh that's awful, it's awful, he learned a great business strategy, mm-hmm. which all independent um, restaurants could learn from. Almost indie restaurateurs I know always envy like the McDonald's of the world because they're like their strategy though is so awesome. And he talked about the process. The process of building a business instead of just having a really great idea and a mom and mama's cannoli which are fantastic and that's a passion that you need but you also need a business model to attach that or you're going to go under in like you know t minus two minutes you know so then he opened lola 55 which is killing it one of the obviously one of the hottest taco enterprises in yep. san diego right now along with puesto and it's a beautiful space mm-hmm. designed by bells and whistles which by the way they just also worked on june jolie and troy has the first look up on san diego magazine that's up in carlsbad from the team from campfire so if mm-hmm. you Already mm-hmm. haven't seen the first look. Go ogle Beautiful it. little French place in Carlsbad. Carlsbad's up and coming. I'm starting to resent Carlsbad like I resent South Park. They're mm-hmm. getting all the cool stuff. Mm-hmm. They're getting they don't the cool leave stuff. anything for the rest of us. Yes. Don't worry. It's coming to Bayho. Okay, good. Is it Bayho? No, um, wait. Where you, where Bay Park. Bay Park. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the next most popular episode, according to my pod tracker, is episode 107, with which was Greg um, Cook of Stone Brewing Company. That was a good conversation. Remember, he brought nut butter. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, pretzels. Yeah, I mean, he is. I mean, Greg has been. You think about what they they went through. I mean, when they first started, they almost went into bankruptcy when they first started back in the 90s. It was the 90s or 2000s. I can't remember. Uh, Anyways, they almost went into bankruptcy. Nobody would take their stuff because nobody was drinking bitter IPAs. And really, really, like just before they were about ready to run out of money, they had to keep on borrowing from his dad, the bank of dad. You know, and just before they ran out of money, people were like, all right, I'll try your stupid beer, you know? And then they became one of the biggest craft beer, you know, brands in the world. And, you know, now they open up that, um, that distiller or that brewery in Germany, you know, kind of bringing, which Germany, which was crazy. Oh, yeah. They didn't have really any craft beer whatsoever in Germany before right. Stone showed That's up. Crazy. David, are you, what are you doing? Are you coming to the mic? <laughs> are, you, are you getting a guess? He's just going to go okay. say. All right. There. So um, any- it was an interesting conversation though. If you guys had, this is kind of dumb to talk about the most popular podcast because everyone listening probably is like, yeah, I heard that I should have done the least or maybe popular. not maybe they need to go re-listen it, it's a good conversation because yeah he did talk a lot about international expansion he was fresh and, off a trip to shanghai right yeah. the opening there it was a good it was a good episode and then coming in at number four is or sorry number two now is Lee Chase of Blind Lady, so another beer mm-hmm. um, podcast, and he was really a great guest too. That was a great episode. One of the most interesting things that uh, um, he spoke about, which I actually need to do a story on, I have a list of stories that I need to do, and it's on there, is that you know beer is not allowed to include nutritional information because they don't want you to like think beer is healthy. Although what his point was is that I'm making a beer that's reducing sugar. There's so much residual sugar in so many commercial beers. I'm making one that doesn't have very much residual sugar, and we should be able to express that so people know that this beer is not full of sugar and excess crap, you know, mm-hmm. so I can, so you you might feel a little better. You know, they should be able to at least put that modicum of nutritional information on it if they're making that effort. Yeah. You know. That was episode number 117 with Lee Chase of Blind Lady. Great conversation. And then our number one most popular episode of the year, this is not ever, this is just of 2018, was um, when David Cohn joined us of the Cohn Restaurant Group. He owns 16,742 <laughs> restaurants across San Diego. No, I think the most interesting thing I remember from that episode is we said, how many employees do you have? And he said, 2,800. <laughs> it was like, whoa, that's a lot of people that you sign checks for. Mm-hmm. I, that blew my mind. I had no idea it was that big and that mm-hmm. many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a laid back. I mean, you know, he, he started in the surf culture and he was really like a more, way more laid back than I expected him to yes, be. Yes, he was. I 
expected David Cohen when you have 2,800 um, you know, employees to come in like you know a Tweety accountant yes. who was, it was like, well, you know what? This is exactly how I do it. And, this is the <laughs> and he, he came in. He was chill. Chill, laid yeah. back. He explained. You know, he made fun of himself. He's like, and this is what we did right. This is what we did wrong. This is, you know, and was really open about it. So if you haven't listened to that, like it, arguably, the, I mean, I believe the biggest restaurateur in San Diego in terms of, you know, sheer volume, you know, um, and you see what it's like to run that. You got to check that that episode. That was a very good one. Okay, those are our top five. You guys, like I said, we'll mm-hmm. link to these at SanDiegoMagazine.com. And now, Troy, top restaurant trends of 2018. These are kind of bleeding over into the news, but that's They cool. are, and I'll keep them short when they yeah. are. You know, but the biggest one by far um, with all the information coming back from the chefs is minimum wage. Um, minimum wage, you know, and, and still. again, still. I mean, well, because now we're, I mean, as it keeps on going up incrementally every every few months or, you know, I don't, I don't know, I'm not sure exactly the schedule. And it should be clarified every time we talk about this. No, no restaurateur is talking about not wanting their employees to make minimum wage. What they're talking about is that um, tips are not included mm-hmm. as wage that goes to their employees. Like if I open up a restaurant and I, I hire you and put you in this spot and you get $30 an hour in tips, I'm not allowed to say that you're earning tips there because of me, Mm -hmm. you know, which I mean, I think is drastically unfair. And the 43 states in in the United States have a tip credit, which allow restaurateurs to say, hey, they're making $20 an hour in tips. So how about I take that money and put it towards my cooks, you know, and we don't have that. So whether or not it's right or wrong, I'm not going to rail against that. I already have. But what I will say is that every restaurateur I've talked to is saying we are cleaving the front of the house. Mm -hmm. We are getting rid of servers. We have to. The bottom line just does not work out. The major restaurateurs, the big restaurateurs that chains that people a lot of money it's not affecting them it's affecting the mom and pops and the mom and pops and local restaurateurs are like you know what i just can't crunch the numbers anymore you know something's got to change either i'm going to start ordering food from cisco you know ordering frozen stuff that is kind of commodity beef crap you know or i need to like say you know what can you order at the bar and we'll you know, have somebody bust your table and get your, you know, whatever. I mean, service is going away. And maybe that's not a bad thing, you know, because if we do we really need a full service world anymore every single place we go? I'm kind of comfortable sometimes walking into a bar and going, you know what? Here's what it was. I'll flag somebody down. Hey, I'll take the, you know, chorizo dogs, you know, blah, 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 you know, and leave me alone. I don't want somebody coming over my table as mm-hmm. soon as they take a sip of water going, how's that water? Is that water good? Is, that, <laughs> how, is, that, is it good water? As long as when if there's still some of those places that exist that For do sure. force you into a little bit of community and mm-hmm. they force you out of your comfort zone and you can't just do everything the way you want on your time. I totally agree with that. You know, you need we're going to so- get weird as people if we can't interact with other people. I know. Spontaneously. We're going to get weird. I know. But is service really like inter- interacting or is it more like, hi, welcome, here's the running down of the menu. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, when you have a really good server, yes, that's something yeah. that you can talk to as a human I had being. a server at Barrio Star give me a list of his favorite 20 art films because he wants to be a filmmaker on the side. And he, now on that's our, cool shit. On our I receipt, he wrote us 20 films I had never heard of. It was so cool. So shout out to that guy. I forgot your Hey, name. way to go Barrio Star. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So the second one with that they, every single chef talked about too is cook shortage. Um, now this ties into minimum wage because if if you have so much money that you can afford for employees and you know the person that's making $30 an hour in tips um, you have to pay them five more dollars an hour that is five more dollars an hour that they're now they're making 35 you don't have to pay the cooks you know so cooks are making and almost every restaurateur I know is paying them over minimum wage already they're mm-hmm. paying what they can right you know but because of the income disparity because the front of the house servers suck up so much of the available money they can't afford to pay the back of the house is I mean $20 an hour 25 dollars an hour you know you're 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 just gonna you're gonna go bankrupt asap Mm -hmm. so nobody can find cooks right now culinary school has never made so little sense financially you know because you're gonna come out of school culinary school i just looked at the available culinary schools you're looking anywhere between like twenty five thousand dollars after to a hundred thousand dollars if you go to the cia hyde park you know so that is you're never considering what the average income is of people that work in the industry that's cuckoo i know uh so i mean it's so most of the chefs are saying like i cannot find good cooks i cannot find good cooks to you know like who want to do that job and can put up with the hours and have dedication and plus cooks coming out of culinary school right now or even the cooks that just get their first job are like they're on their second day they're coming in you know they even they, they screwed up their first day they didn't do it well but the second day they're like where's my food network contract what's right. up 
You know, I mean, it really is. Yeah. They're expecting this, like, brand, they're expecting it to be like stars right away. And it's not happening for them, so they're not taking the job. Third is food waste and plastic. Every every restaurant I know has instituted, like, some kind of food waste program. You talk about um, land and water up in Carlsbad. They have a full um, composting program that they did themselves at the back of their um, sushi restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, and every chef I know is now, where they used to throw away some of the lemon rinds, you know, are now using the lemon rinds. They used to throw, throw away some of the bones, and now they're taking out the marrow of the fish bones and everything else. Every chef had seemed, not every chef, of course, that's, that's over speaking, but so many more chefs paid attention to the food scraps that were they used to be throwing away and finding different ways to utilize them. Mm-hmm. And then fourth, plant-based dishes. We already talked about this. It was a year of the plant. Big time. I mean, like um, Frank Viscara, the owner of Lola 55, said, you know, vegan and vegetarian menus um, are, no, are no longer an option. Like, you have to have them, and they have to be good. It can't just be, you know, oh, well, here's this, you know, mediocrely heated, you know, um, vegetable with some salt and butter. Right. You know, you have to transform, um, you know, vegetarian dishes now. You know, it's no longer like, I mean, really, even as much as like a year and a half ago, it was like, do you have a vegetarian option? They're like, yeah, we got this shitty thing over here. We have pasta. You know, I mean, now every, it seems like every chef has three or four or five or 10 dishes, you know? So, I mean, plant-based cooking really arrived. Thank God, because I love plants. I eat a ton of, you know, um, produce. You know, I just, I want it to be as good as the meat dishes. So anybody who's kind of complaining about this vegetarian revolution, they're like, screw you, I'm always going to eat meat, you know? I'm like, that's fine. But at least like your side dishes are getting better. Right. You know? I think the mushroom game in San Diego is is excellent. (laughs) There has been so many good mushroom things this year. I feel like people are doing amazing things with mushrooms. I have to say, the Del Taco is really good. I don't love the Impossible Burger Patty. To me, it's Mm -hmm. like a little dry or some, maybe it hasn't been cooked right with the way uh, places I've had it. But it's working well in this taco. David, did you try it? Did you it? like it? You know, I tried it, and it tastes like a normal Del Taco taco to me. Like, uh, Which maybe is good for the people who like don't want the beef, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, isn't it like... I don't want to... Sp- say I know for sure or not but like isn't there rumor that like the jack-in-the-box tacos are actually vegetarian too oh, that they're not that. actually meat so it's kind of like uh how much of a real difference was there between the original del taco taco and the impossible taco I'm sure they have more meat in it than the jack-in-the-box one but. we're gonna run through our um our libel machine we're gonna spit that through <laughs> our libel machine first Probably but no I mean you know about you think about like soy lecithin and things like that I mean extenders and you know I mean you know uh, fast food burgers have been using plant-based stuff in their burgers forever right. you know i mean it's just now that the impossible burger has come out it's pure plant-based i mean it's it's good and the fact that it's reaching fast food is phenomenal because then that's a that's a culture change you know i mean granted i'm not going to go to padel taco to be quite right. honest with you and get get an impossible um, taco because i don't want it you know right. but but i'm glad that that's happening because that will change a culture somebody mm-hmm. in middle america will be like what's that plant-based shit you know, and, and they'll eat it and they'll be like, you know what? It's not bad. I like it. You know, so I can just hear one of our podcast listeners going like, oh, my God, he said the S word. Yeah. Um, OK. <laughs> and then finally, pokey exhaustion. Um, pokey trended out huge in 2018. Flamed out. Flamed out. I mean, and it's look, it's a delicious dish. It's a Hawaiian specialty. And they used to be able to what they the reason why it came about is that these fishermen would come back and they just they take the scraps of what they were eating. And they're like, you know what, this is perfectly great fresh fish. Let's just mix it with, you know, some sesame oil and other things that we have and make like, you know, a lunch out of it right here on the boat. Uh, what's happening, though, there's not enough great. I mean, there is enough, but not, the pokey restaurants are not willing to spend the money for like really good, sustainably caught fresh non-tainted meat you know like tuna and everything else so a lot of these places are getting it from overseas of unknown origin which means a lot of like americans have the strictest fishing standards in the world you know that we are the most sustainable fishing fleet in in the entire globe so if you buy american-based caught fish good chances are that they were caught sustainably and well you know but overseas you don't have those oversights a lot of times what they'll do is they'll package it up and they'll treat it with chemicals you know so you're not only you think you're eating this really fresh thing and really they got it from this you know shady place overseas it doesn't matter that it's frozen because almost all seafood is frozen but you're getting like chemicals Chemicals that have been treated and right. flown overseas. So it's never been more important at, at, at any cuisine that I've seen, especially raw fish, you know, to go in there and go, can you tell me where you get your seafood? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to eat raw fish, I would say a first question I'm asking is, where do you get your seafood? If it's, you know, San Diego based, beautiful. American based, beautiful. Anywhere else, I'll go somewhere else. 
Mm-hmm. And we're not saying that all poke is like that, but it became such a trend that people thought that they, it would be popular enough, and they started opening tons of them, and mm-hmm. then you and know, not you doing get it them. right. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, that is Troy's top restaurant trends of 2018. We're going to link to this again on the website. And now let us run through the sad closings of oh, 2018. Do we have a bugle, David? Yeah. Can you play some play taps or something? Oh, okay. Because this <laughs> one hurts. Then, this one really. This is really sad. Hurts. This is a sad list. I feel like we're going way long on time, but. Um, because we still have to go through our top openings. We'll just run through So just run okay, through run it, through. Archie, tell us. Cafe Chloe. I think uh. that was the one that sent shockwaves around San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Emerald Troy. I believe mm-hmm. they had new ownership. Yeah, they closed for a while, and mm-hmm. I think that they reopened under new ownership. But, I yeah. mean, that was like, you know, uh, Rancho Bernardo is, you know, like, uh, one of the widest par- par- parts of town because I grew up there. You know, <laughs> and it's it, it really is, you know, it just didn't have much culture. And that, had, that was a great Asian food spot up there, you know, and it was sad to see it go for a little while, but it's back. Cafe Sobaka, I was super sad to see that go in Golden Hill. That was Archie. one of my spots. Green Flash, we mentioned this, got sold off. Cafe Apango, we were sad about this one. Cafe Apango, they, they, I mean, basically, if you worked at Cafe Apango back in the, what is it, 90s? When did, when did it open? Uh, it you, was like 25 years old, I think, when it closed yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so, so, ba- 90s. so late 90s. I mean, uh, Davin Waite of Wrench and Rodent, he started working there, and he said, whenever you told people you worked at Cafe Apango, they were like, deal. oh my God, you're a star. That was sushi in San Diego and they tragically closed by me. And the Hake in La Jolla. I know. That's such a tough spot. A, La Jolla is really tough. That's on Prospect. It's the one that's buried underneath the street level, but they invested so much money in that space. They did floor-to-ceiling windows. They had some of the best service that I've ever experienced mm-hmm. in a restaurant. Um, and it was Mexico City. I don't think anybody will ever make that uh, that space work. They should just turn it into, um, I don't know, maybe a place of maybe watercolors, <coughs> dolphins. Well, I like you were saying about the service, I am a counter-service person. I have kids. We, uh, we eat at mostly counter-service places, but I did go to The Hague for like a special occasion, and they resat me three times. Mm-hmm. And they were just lovely. And it was just, it was such a nice experience to be like, wow, you can go to a place and, and you know, invest and have a special night and have someone treat you like this is really special. And we're going to take care of you. And we're going to create this thing that's amazing. And gosh, darn it, you just can't make money like that anymore, I guess. So RIP restaurants. <laughs> I know it's a tough industry Sad. and great work of staying open as long as you did. Okay. So we're going to finish um, with our top restaurant slash bar. I didn't realize bars were on the table, but it's top restaurant slash bar openings of 2018. We're all reading each other's because it's fun. The reason, the reason why it was, I get it. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to read Aaron's, Aaron's first, okay? So Aaron, um, as she said, these are the ones that I go to because I actually run a mag- magazine and run a family. Yeah, I don't I, go to all the... Okay. These two, Troy and Archie and David, go to more new places. I kind of have go to my regular spots, but I did try some new ones. Her number one open opener of the year, Lola 55. Very good. Walkable mm-hmm. from my office. Amazing tacos. Amazing tacos. I mean, this is basically like, you know, I, I don't want to say the chipotlification of, of, of tacos, but yeah, they're doing a little more of a quick service, you know, kind of counter service thing. And it should be a good model that he can replicate throughout Go the country. Go try it. Okay. Farmer's Table. Um, they opened one in Bay Park. Again, close to my home. <laughs> I know I shouldn't really be participating because no, this, this is, is very this is I, a real list no you know what this is real and it's close to your heart where I this go. Is, yeah um, and this one says uh, my house this is no it doesn't say my house um, this one says this is my favorite because she says the McCabe DiBiase place I don't, still don't know what it's called I don't know what it's called which is they Vist- don't even have a sign this is Vistal, Vistal. at the new Intercontinental okay. Hotel and Vistal Chef Paul McCabe, who has been around San Diego, then went to Arizona, whatever. He made a mistake. And he came back, though, and he's been one of the best chefs in San Diego for a long, long time. He's overseen the entire culinary program at Amy DiBiase. Not just one of the best female chefs, just one of the better better chefs in town, period. You know, but it's always good to see a female chef running a kitchen. And this is down on the waterfront mm-hmm. in a new hotel, and I like it because the food was super, super just excellent, excellent food. Exactly. But it's a cool place to sit, too. You can look out at the waterfront, and um, it was very good. There's no sign. It's very hard to find. I love how um, she said that she didn't know the bars were on the table. Her next one is Epic Brewing. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, but that's not like a bar bar. It's, it's just beer. That's more dude. casual than a bar, I guess. Okay, I do like it though. Okay. Again, I like the setting. This the is one over in by Loma. This is one oh, that's by all the sport fishing places. I just went down to Mitch's again the other day because I got a mm. bomb me. I smoked bomb me. It was fantastic. But oh, Epic's right over there by Mitch's and boy, Point Loma Seafood. Okay, and then um, fa- the final one is ketchup. Catch. Catch! Oh, catch! Oh, the um, brigantine people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Re- I think they did a really nice job. It's really comfy, cozy. L- again, like you said, the menu is limited. Mm-hmm. There's not 48 things on the menu. It's mostly seafood. I l- really like it. 
All right, now where is Catch? It is where Red Sails used to be mm-hmm. on Shelter Island Drive. Mm-hmm. So kind of close to Epic. You can see where I hang out. <laughs> <laughs> sort of where I go. Okay, moving on. These ones will be better. Okay, okay I'm going to read Troy's. Um, number one, Lola 55. Lola 55 again. again. Yeah. I, I re- told Troy he's got to review it now. I know. Yeah. Um, I, I really like, I know the chef. He worked with the Slow Food uh, Movement. He worked with, um, also worked um, over at Tender Greens, you know, and he worked, I believe, at um, AR Valentine um, with Chef Jeff Jackson. He knows what he's doing. He gives, it, he gives a crap about buying sustainably and things like that. And they're doing, you know, good tacos for really cheap and then a well-designed place, you know, and, uh, and cocktails. I, I think it's a really great open. El Hardin. El Hardin, Claudette, I, I will tell you this. It's funny because we have the review coming out in the next issue. And I say, I want It's I, out now. It is, it is out. It's out. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Is that the um, runner's guide? Um, no, it's in the December issue with the heroes on the cover. Okay. Heroes. Got it. So it is um, El Hardin is Claudette Wilkins, who was on Top Chef and Top Chef Mexico. And she was the chef de cuisine of Bracero when Bracero got um, nominated for Best oh, New right, Restaurant right. Um, a, a James Beard Award. You know, and she's a great great cook one night i went there it was um epically mediocre because um her cooks on the line that night honestly were not paying attention to quality control i had uncooked carrots i they didn't serve me salsas i mean it was just it was it was pretty bad you know but then i went there another night and it was some of the best mexican food i've ever had in the city i mean it was phenomenal i really enjoyed the world it was phenomenal i mean she has a birria she went down through mexico for that restaurant and interviewed all like the, the matronly keepers of the recipes in these tiny mexican villages and convinced them to give her recipes she's growing dan barber's heirloom seeds in her oh, garden wow. she has i mean this is a really special concept and if you give a sh- crap about san diego I mean, mexican food in san diego you know you really should go check it out it's tough and i hope she makes it because that the planes take right off i mean it is one of the loudest restaurants i've ever been in she has a beautiful patio and every five minutes those planes are about 50 feet above you roaring their engines so worth it still so worth it i have to say i went to a really cool panel on monday morning um it was called future of women in food and it was claudette was on the panel um crystal from wayfarer bread and a few other women who are big in the food scene here and they talked about what it's like to be a woman in their industry and claudette had really awesome stories about coming up in the kitchens what men have said about her wearing lipstick in the kitchen Mm -hmm. she's just badass she's she's really cool and i'm gonna link to that blog post because i basically talked it up i wrote up a blog post on it and it was five cool things i learned from that panel so i'll link to it cool uh, All right, what else? Number three, Din Tai Fung in Westfield UTC. Mm-hmm. See, I should have put that one. So now here we go. These soup dumplings are one of my XLBs, the Jalambos. You know, I mean, they, they are one of the most beautiful things in the world. They're silky on the outside. They're like this little, like, you know, noodle purse, right? That's twisted up top. And inside is this beautiful, like, cradle of soup. And it's really hard to do well. I mean, Dumpling Inn in, in San Diego does a good job of them. Um, there are a few other places. But Din Tai Fung is, you know, I mean, it's a Michelin starred concept that started in Taipei, Taiwan. You know, Know, and the New York Times, you know, in 1993, named him like one of the top restaurants in the world. Um, so there's a bunch of different places. Okay. You know, so anyways, that's, it, that opened up. And again, UTC. Bivouac Cider Works. I love Bivouac Cider Works for two reasons. One, Filipino food has arrived. I think the Filipino food has been with some of the like most undis- underserved cuisine in San Diego, especially given that we have the second largest Filipino um, uh, community in America. You know, and uh, Chef DJ is really cooking well. I was really impressed with your interview on the happy half hour with him. <laughs> it was phenomenal. You know what? I, you know, it was kind of like an out-of-body experience. It was so good. Thank you. That was the that was the podcast that I didn't show up for because I was still in my sweats when they called me and but said that we were starting. Okay. okay. Um, and finally, the Paul McCabe, Amy DiBiase spot. Paul McCabe, Amy DiBiase spot. They need a sign. I know. They don't, no one knows what it's called. So, so if you haven't been yet, Vistal, um, I have one of the better tastings um, of the year there. And it, what they're doing is Amy DiBiase and Paul, and they're giving them the, the luxury of doing this because they work for a hotel. And honestly, they can... They allowed to spend more money on food right um, it's very expensive it, we should note that it, it's it like is. 30 dollars entrees yeah but i mean these are two of the better chefs in san diego and they're really i mean they are ultra ultra sustainable i mean local fish as much as they possibly can you know they are making like like opa fat they're making um lar- um um they're making uh Lardo. Lardo, thank you. They're making lardo out of uh, opa fat, you know, Ooh. so they're curing the opa fat like you would like a, a, a pork fat, you know, making charcuterie plates out of opa. I mean, they're really doing some special things with seafood over there. If you're interested in good seafood in San Diego, that's a spot. Plus, Amy told us she works with a scientist to make sure she's using sustainable seafood. Mm-hmm. Really cool. That's right. She was on our podcast. 
Um, and that was the end of Troy's. And Very good. There you go. Two overlaps so far. Two overlaps. So now, now so we did these well, blind. Vistal and Lola 55. Both although Arshton totally just cheated and crossed No, one I crossed one out because I put Born <laughs> and Raised and I forgot that was open in 2017. Okay, there you go. So that I, d- I didn't put a replacement. I just crossed it out. So I have four. She is, okay, I'm going to start with Archana's list um, of her top five openings of the year. And you got one that we both missed that we're both going to feel dumb <sighs> about. Raised by Wolves. Uh, oh, I don't feel so bad about that. Oh. I don't. Okay, so these aren't places that I personally love, but I thought they were major. Big deals. I thought okay. they were a big Ooh, deal, hottest kind of openings. <laughs> I'm not a drinker, so I'm like not the right person to talk about. But I will say, I think it's really weird that I just don't get the 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 space with the drinks. I think the space is so elegant and hidden, and then the drinks come out like tropical drinks with crushed ice. And mm-hmm. the people who I was with who do love drinks were also underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. But I just the sp- got the shivers because I remember how the frosty the glasses get, and it mm-hmm. kind of gave me like a little weird twinge mm-hmm. drinking from those glasses. I just think this frosty. is a hot opening. What am do I go? I there mean, all the time? it was a no. big deal. The thing you spin around and to get in that was a thing. I am not. I I, I am not against it, this opening. I love I love the fact that Arcelon and Consortium Holdings, who also do Born and Raised. They do, you know, craft and commerce. They do Ironside. All those guys. That's who opened this place. And I, I like the fact that they're making them all non, a non crappy place. You know, yeah, cool. Um, and, and I do love the concept of it. They're playful. You know, everything else, and they do an amazing job. You know, it's just. I don't know. There's something about like the it's there's a little bit of like that ride, not that ride in Disneyland. It is a ride. In it's Disneyland. very Disneyland. You know, where where you go see the presidents of the United States, the animatronics, <laughs> I kind of like looking at you. You know, I feel a little bit like that. Yeah. And I think that they've done better concepts. You okay. know, that's it. Okay. Okay, next on Archie's list is Din Tai Fung. I, I, I can't believe I didn't put that on there. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Okay, Two this, votes for Din Tai. This is a good one, Shake Shack. That was big time. I mean, of course, Shake I... Shake opened this year, in 2018? <laughs> oh, shoot. That was another... I'm living in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It might have. No, it was end of last year, <laughs> I think. It? Okay, well, Shake Shack. And then El Hardin. That's a good one. Oops. <laughs> Archness number five is El Hardin, another one that got you multiple got some votes. Of them, right? <laughs> it's so funny because I worked on these like way early, too. I didn't even Sorry. like slapdash this together. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> no, it's El Hardin and Din so Tai. basically eat at El Hardin, Din Tai Fung, Lola 55, and then the um, Paul McCabe. Yeah, and why do we have to be so like, you know, like slaves to the constructs of time? You know what I mean? It opened a year and a half ago, Arch. Yeah. Now, I like your progressive thinking about this. You know this. what? I, I don't live like in this time frame. I know. Like, exactly. Continu- continuum. Absolutely. <laughs> now you're vegetarian. Like your expe- consciousness is just beyond See? time. You give up meat, you get more consciousness. Okay, you guys, that is our 2018 year in review. Thank you for suffering through it with us. <laughs> <laughs> we will have a guest Unfortunately, back next Unfortunately, we will week be back next year. With a guest. <laughs> next year with a guest. Yes, we're taking a week off, right? It's, so um, we're not... A week. Off. Yes, uh-huh. a week, a week off. off. What, we'll be back this? January 2nd. Yes, you'll get pinged. Your little thing will ping you that there's a new episode. Yeah. January 2nd? January 2nd. And okay. we're bringing back somebody, which we hardly ever do. And one of my favorite people, though. Matt Gordon. Matt Gordon. Love him. Urban Souls. He's actually here right now. He just went to feed his <laughs> We're going to tape it. <laughs> and we'll right. see you in January. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays.